And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law, approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it in all the days of his life. This is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. My name is Tim Young. My name is Josh Hodge. I'm very glad to have Josh here with us to kick off this new season, season number three. And we're going to be doing something a little different when we're starting off here because we like to make the Bible come alive. And we're going to be having a little study tip today to get things started for this season. And we're going to be looking at what's called the joy of Bible marking. Josh, I heard you give a talk on this, and I thought, oh, this is a perfect podcast. And then you actually did some podcasts with the Magnify Him Together podcast for teens, which I've done uh, some podcasts for them as well. So if anybody's out there who's a teen and wants to check that out, I'd approve of that. We're going to talk about different ways of Bible marking and the joy that it brings us. Yeah, this is an exciting one, Tim. I'm glad to join you. I thought uh, we would just talk about what Bible marking is. It's probably a good place to start, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because it might be foreign to some of the listeners. Yeah, actually writing in your Bible. Are you allowed to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sometimes it's the page has got to be white and crisp, but we're actually going to suggest you need to add some color, some markings. Yeah. So what do you mean by Bible marking in general? Yeah, I mean, that that's really the question, isn't it? And I, I think it, it comes down to personalizing your Bible. Mm. So making your Bible your own so that different things stand out to you. You know, God emphasizes different things as we read the Bible. But if we're to, able to make that come alive, it can be so much more helpful for us. So really, it's about taking a, a colored pencil and putting some color over some key words. It's about taking a, a pen or a pencil and, and writing a note to help clarify something beside the verse so that when you come back to it, you're reminded of the meaning of a verse, the meaning of a word. And ultimately, it's supposed to be a help for us while we study our Bible. There's many different ways and forms to do that. I think we're going to, to talk mm-hmm. about them as we go through here. Oh, What's Bible marking to you, Tim? It is. It's kind of, for me, it's making the Bible come alive, making it pop, being able to see things a lot more easily because the Word of God is so beautiful in so many different ways in structure and in the the words that it's using that I like to be able to see them easily. And it really makes it come alive for me when I can see it that way. So true. And I think we're going to talk about some of the specifics a little bit later, but there's some basics to consider before we get to some of the specifics of how to Bible mark. And you want to consider what Bible you're using. So, you know, many Bibles you could pick up today, they'll have something called a wide margin. Do you have a wide margin? I do. Yeah. That's my main Bible. Yeah. And if you're going to do this, you're going to invest a lot of time in it. So you want your Bible to be really good for (laughs) what you're doing. (laughs) Yes, that's right. And you'll appreciate this once you've done some Bible marking. Yeah. Yeah, the space that a wide margin gives you. You actually put notes and those kind of things. So a wide margin will often have an inch, two inches, maybe even two and a half inches beside the text, either inside of your Bible or on the outside. It might even have space at the top or the bottom of the Bible. And this is where you can write notes. And I think 
because we're talking about Bible marking, we'd encourage the listeners, should they be interested in Bible marking, that this would be the the route to go get right. a wide margin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's, it's going to be a lifetime endeavor, you know, feel like you, you need to make an investment in it yeah. and get a good Bible. So this is all part of our, our studies and our personal study time. Do you have a set time that you actually do Bible marking? Yeah, that's a, a great question. A lot of a lot of it comes down to once you've done a study, you've gone through a theme, you want to get it in your Bible so you remember. Yeah. So yeah, for me, I, I've over the years, I've had different set times. Sometimes yeah. you're more consistent than others, uh, but it it certainly helps if you have a routine, whether Saturday morning or yeah. uh, I know you do a Monday evening, right, Tim? Yeah, so our family actually has a family Bible marking time where we all get together on Monday evenings just once a week and do our own personal Bible marking, whatever that is. And it's a great time. It's a great family time to share together. Yeah, but that's great. I was at the dentist yesterday, and she asked me how many times I floss. And she's, she, oh, she asked me, if do I floss daily? And I go, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same with Bible marking. You know, like, that's a good idea, but it, it really should be like a habit or one of those things that we, we do regularly schedule. Yes. And it's amazing if you do have a set time and you're consistent and committed to that, how much you can actually accomplish. Sometimes it seems a little daunting, yeah. but little by little, you can make your way through the Bible or make your way through a theme or a study and it will get in there. And yeah. It's not feeling like you have to do it all at once. It's right, like little right, yes. chunks at a time yes. because it can be quite long and stuff, but very profitable. So it's probably a good idea to talk about a particular verse. We started with this verse, but we can really link the idea of personalizing our Bibles with a verse in the Bible itself. Mm. The verse is found in Deuteronomy 17. It's the verse that we open this podcast with, Deuteronomy 17 and verse 18. And this is going to connect the Bible's reasoning for making the Bible itself personal to us. And in Deuteronomy, the context is really God's worked with this nation of Israel. He's brought them out of Egypt and he's teaching them all of his laws, how to worship him, how to conduct themselves and in Deuteronomy 17, he's specifically going to address what a king is supposed to do. Right. So in Deuteronomy 17, in verse 18, it says, When this king sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. So here you have the king, and he's supposed to write out the law. Now, that could have been the first five books of the Bible. It yeah. could have been Deuteronomy. I know there's some different yeah, thoughts on yeah. that, but that's a significant endeavor. Not, have you ever done that before and tried to write out the Bible? Uh, specific chapters I have, but it it's a big task. I, I set out to write Matthew, and it's right. It's daunting. Yeah. Like, and to, to write out even just Deuteronomy is... That would be quite something. And it was it was commanded that he do so. Right. And I think there's really good reason for it mm -hmm. because the, the verse goes on to say, it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life. And, you know, you might say, well, mm. this is the king. Uh, couldn't he get somebody else <laughs> to write it for him? 
Uh, he could command a scribe. Sure. Or somebody else, you know, he could listen to it. Right. Or presumably he could even take his father's copy if his father had written it right. out. Right, right. But it says, it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life. And, and what it's emphasizing is that it has to be a personal copy. Right. It had to be something that he read, that he studied, that he considered. And that was really, really important. Yeah, that's so cool. Like we we don't write out our Bibles, but we do have to personalize our Bibles. Right. Make it, make it our own. For sure. So, and it's going to be with us for the rest of our life. Yeah. yeah. And I think it also speaks to the process as well, because you know it's one thing just to read God's word, but God says, no, I want you to write it out. Mm-hmm. And God's saying there's something about the process of writing it out. Right. And that's just a step. Ultimately, God says, I want it in your hearts, because it goes on to say that the king may learn to fear the Lord, his God, by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers. And so God is saying, I want to effect change in the king's heart. Right. I think that's important because Bible marking is not about pride. It's not to show off something, right? It's to get it into our hearts. I actually have in my margin here, I wrote a Bible marking note. It says, see Proverbs chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. And this, this really goes well with that passage and thinking about how we are trying to get the Bible into our hearts as well by, by writing things. Proverbs 7, verses 1 through 3 says, My son, so this is actually a king talking to his son, right? My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. Uh I, I thought that was so interesting. Bind them on your fingers. That word bind there has the idea of join them on your fingers. And it's just that physical process of writing something out, which really writes it on the tablet of our hearts. The Bible often talks about our hearts like it's a, a write, something to write upon. And here we're, we're supposed to be writing on it the word of, of God. That's lovely. And I, I think that gets it to the, the heart of the matter. <laughs> Excuse the pun. But God wants us, and he wanted the king more than just writing it out. He wanted to affect change in the king's heart right. and in the way that he thought and the way that he lived his life and conducted the kingdom. Right. And that's the same for you and I, for anybody that's reading the Bible, God wants us to make the Bible our own, to have those words affect our hearts and minds. Cool. So what are we going to be talking about today, Josh? What kind of examples of Bible marking are we going to go through? Yeah, so th- there's some specific things to consider when we're Bible marking, some specific strategies. One of the helpful things to know is that our Bibles weren't written originally in English. They are right. written primarily in Hebrew and Greek. And sometimes the Hebrew and the Greek have you know, meanings that aren't easily conveyed in the English. And it's helpful to be able to go back and figure out what the Hebrew and the Greek words actually mean and what they're conveying. And so once we've done a a word study, we can now highlight in our Bibles or mark in our Bibles a a particular word. 
now that we're familiar with the meaning. And we can do that all the way through the Old Testament or the New Testament, and we're really identifying the original language and its true meaning. So that's a really helpful one to do, I think. And there's a couple more. We're going to be talking about three. We'll, we'll address that one first. But another one we'll address is contextual repetition, we're calling that. There's, okay. The Bible is very structured. It's very organized. And there are certain things that are repeated to teach a lesson. And then we're going to talk about something called topical notes, this is really themes that run from Genesis to Revelation all the way through the Bible. Right, right. So let's get back to that first one, talking about word studies. In previous podcasts, we've talked about concordances, and we've talked about different words. And in order to kind of retain that in our memory and write it upon our hearts, I found it helpful to assign a color to a certain word and then to underline that word in that color wherever it's found. And using the concordance to be able to to do that. So one of the ones that was really impactful to me when I was a young man was a word study on love. I mean, you can't think of anything more important than a study of love, an essential Bible study, which we should do. And many people don't know that in the Greek, there's actually two words that are translated as love. One is agape, and the other one is filio. And there's they're slightly different words. They're both very important in the life of our discipleship. But filio has the idea of an affectionate type of love, brotherly type of love, family type of love, which, again, is very important as you go through it. But there's also this word agape, which is a love which is greater than any sort of love and has the idea behind it of a choice, something that you sacrifice to do, Okay, that you learn to love, right? And that really is a, the chief love that the Bible talks about as, as a crowning achievement. When you do this, you, you, you mark them, but you want to, always want to stop and think about what you're marking. And sometimes there's passages where both of these words are used together. And an example of this is in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And so that, that first word love there is actually it's two words in the English. Brotherly love is one word in the Greek. It's the word Philadelphia, where we get our word philio. And the second one, love one another, is agape. And it's interesting that they're both used there. But Peter has this idea that there's a, a growing up into what is agape love. And right before that is this idea of filio love. If you're interested, you could look at Second Peter chapter 1, verse 7, where the same thing is, is done. If you mark these, you'll see that there's the two loves are there. But the greatest of these loves is, is agape. And so just to me, that was very impactful just going through that and realizing they're both very important. But there is something that we're striving for in this agape love, this this choice, this sacrificing love in our lives that's really, really important. Right. So when we read that passage in Peter and we see love twice yeah. in the English, we would naturally assume it's the same word, right? Yeah. But it's two different words. Two different words. And the question is, how will we know? And we can do that by marking it up, underlining one word, which is an indication of it's this filio love, or if we have the other one marked, it's the agape love. So for instance, just my agapes are all green. 
Okay. And my filios are all orange. You probably have a different color in yours. Yeah, I have I have a wavy blue line for my <laughs> agape. <laughs> what about your filio? Uh, that one is not marked. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, tr- I assume it's filio if I've marked the agape. Oh, but. you can do that too, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Save me some time. But. Yeah. It's really interesting too when you look at chapters in the Bible. It will just highlight how much love is spoken of. Like you go to the epistles of John and he is talking about agape love over and over. Every verse might have two or three times he's mentioning love. And it it just really comes out when you see it colored on your page. There's something else really nice about the process of marking, say, the word love into our Bibles because it forces us to actually look up every verse where the word agape is. And now all of a sudden we, we understand all of the contexts where agape is found. Mm-hmm. And so there's even more power to the word agape than just its simple meaning. We find all of the contexts that it's in and that that fills out the meaning, I think, as well. Yeah. What other word studies have you colored in your Bible, Josh? Yeah, so there's a, a lot of cases where a similar thing happens. We have an English word that occurs, but there's two different Greek words behind it or two different Hebrew words behind it. So one where that occurs is the word God. Right. In the English, when we read God, there's actually more than one Hebrew word for God. So an example would be El and Elohim, Mm -hmm. where uh, we read God, but how do we know if it's El, which is really about power, of God, you know, his, yeah. his power, his A single, the one God, yeah. Right. Versus Elohim, which is talking about how God works through people or works through his angels. Right. So I, I have that one marked in my Bible. Right. Yeah. So do I. I've gone through and El was blue and then Elohim was red. Okay. <laughs> it's a big one. I mean, you think how many times God is, is used in the Bible. It takes you a while, but I can't tell you how many times I've looked back and it's been so helpful to see that. We're going to see that in the podcast later on this season. We'll be talking about the word for God. Okay. So that'd be a helpful one. Yeah. I, I have a, a green wavy line for, for all my you're, L's. You're into uh, wavy lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I try to do symbols. You know. <laughs> uh, one I just recently did is uh, the word study of Ecclesia that we did last uh, season. I actually went through my Bible and marked every time the word Ecclesia is is used. I mean, it's most often translated as church, but I want to emphasize that. And I want to see, have it come out in the Bible where it's being used. Because now I, now that I've done that study, it's just so important for me to see that word and see it, see it again and uh, its emphasis, right? So another one, cosmos and aeon, and it's another little word, G, and it's all translated world in the Greek. Right. And world has so many different ideas to us in English, but when cosmos is used, it's really talking about an order of things, a society of things. We could say the the Jewish world, whereas aeon is referring to uh, an age, a period of time. Right. And then G is referring to the world as in the earth. But in English, they're all translated world at different times. Right. It, it, especially in the King James. 
Right. I find that this is a really helpful one to to look up the words for world and then yes. highlight them because when I read the word world in English, I don't think of an age. Yeah. And I think that's important for us to kind of think. But more modern translations usually they they do translate the word aeon as age, so okay. it might not be so helpful in those. But yeah, definitely in the King James. Another one I I would suggest is just the character qualities of God. So in Exodus thirty four. There's qualities of God which are like mercy and grace and long suffering, goodness and truth, or you know, long, loving kindness and faithfulness. These words to me, I, I went through my whole Bible and, and marked every time those words are, are used because they're God's qualities that He's revealed to us that we are to reflect in our lives. And I want to know every time that that word is is used in Scripture. And I tell you, there's there's places where it just you can see they're going back to Exodus 34 and they're teaching because it just really comes out. So that's another good one to underline. And I haven't done that one, but maybe, uh, yeah, maybe inspire one. you to yeah, do it. That's right. <laughs> okay. Let's go on to the, the next one. Next example. So the next one that we're going to talk about here is, is we've titled it contextual repetition, right? There's always contexts when we're reading the Bible. And within a context, we'll see certain things are emphasized. And if, you know, we've got it highlighted or somehow marked in our Bibles, as soon as we're reading that context, we're reminded of, ah, this was the main point here that God's trying to tell us. So a great example of this is in Genesis 11. Yeah, when you went through this in your talk, this is one really stuck with me. And every time I read it now, I can see it. So Genesis 11 talks about how it says the the whole earth was of one language and one speech and all of the people were coming together to achieve a purpose. Okay, this is the Tower of Babel this story. Is, yes, yeah. this is the Tower of Babel. And in verse 3 it says this group of people they said one to another and I'm going to because the listeners can't actually see my Bible, I'm going to emphasize uh, what I have colored in my Bible, Tim, so it'll be okay. a, little, a little easier. But verse 3 says, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them throughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Hopefully that yeah. was obvious with my emphasis there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I have all of the let us and the personal pronouns highlighted in this particular chapter. As soon as I read Genesis 11, it just jumps out of the page. Here is a group of people that wanted to make a name for themselves. It was all about us, us, us. We, we, we. Yeah. (laughs) This was the pride of man. Yes. And that was one of the problems here. And and we know that the story, God ultimately split up the people through changing their languages. That's why we have so many languages today. Right, yeah. Yeah, I love uh, personal pronouns in in certain situations. And I I circle them and then start drawing lines in between them to kind of connect them all. That one's a great example. There's another one in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21 about a rich man. And it does the same thing. He's always saying, I, 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 you know, and if you circle those eyes or highlight them somehow, 
it really jumps off the page of how selfish and just self-centered he was. There's a, another one in, in Mark where Jesus is, is saying, what is love? You know, what is agape? Yeah, getting back to that. Yeah. And he says, you know, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and, and so on. And a little bit later in the context, there's a couple of different stories. And one of the stories has this, this widow that throws in two mites, you know, the, to the oh, temple treasury. Yeah, yeah. And it says she gave all oh, that yeah, she yeah. had. And we can see, well, here's an example of agape, this, this self-sacrificing love. Yeah. And it becomes that much more obvious when we highlight, I have in my Bible highlighted the word all in both the context of Jesus when he's saying, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and the widow who gave all that she had. And I have the, them connected with a line. With a line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do that in my Bible too. Because sometimes they'll be just verses apart. Yes. Hopefully you are on the same kind of two pages or something. Yes. You can draw a line between them to draw your eye to yes. it. Because that's the beauty of the Bible. Sometimes that that lesson is just developed not too much afterwards right? in a different way. I was thinking of like Matthew 4 or 2 when Jesus was tempted. You know, how many times he says, it is written. You know, and just the importance of that, that phrase, how often Jesus says that during the temptations, showing how he's our king, right? And do you think he wrote out a law? Do you think he followed that law and wrote out his own copy of of the law? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, he's quoting from Deuteronomy when he says that there. So it, it, again, emphasizes the importance of Scripture being in our heart to be able to give an answer to anyone who asks of us, you know, what our hope is. Uh, we were reading Matthew 4 last night, uh, mm -hmm. just as we were studying the life of Christ, my wife and I, and that was what was emphasized. Jesus went back to the law. It is written. It right. is written. Yeah. Now, I find too, when you highlight certain things like that, it brings out the structure of the scripture, which helps you to, again, to see it and to memorize it. When you do these Bible markings, I, to me, I can see on the page where something is, and it helps me to focus in and, and have that ready answer of where that answer is. Because I say it's on it's on the page right here, and I've marked it in this color, right. I've done this, right? And so you can quickly go to it. And you can break down certain scriptures. For example, Revelation, the beginning of Revelation. There's a phrase that says, he that overcometh. In the King James, in, in the ESV, it says, to, to the one who conquers, I will give this. And it's used seven times. And then I remember as a young person just coming, stumbling upon this for the first time and just being so excited at seeing this phrase repeated and then realizing that it's at the end of every letter to seven different ecclesias in Revelation. Mm. And I was so excited. I was with a friend studying at the same time. I go, look at this, you know, and I pointed it out to her and she just kind of smiles at me because I think she already knew about it. But to me, just to see that structure and then I definitely, I highlight that. In my Bible, my King James, it doesn't break it down for me. I find it easy to draw a line sectioning off the different letters and then writing the letter to Ephesus, the letter to Smyrna, and those kind of things right there to help break it down and, again, to help us in our seeing the different organizational structure of Scripture. Right. I've, there's some more repeating phrases in that section of Scripture too, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll leave it up to the listener to okay, go, yeah, go figure yeah. that yeah, out. That's right. <laughs> 
there's some other examples of that structure, though, that we could uh, mention briefly too, Tim. There's one in, in Matthew 5. You might know this as the, the Sermon on the Mount. Right, right. And Jesus says, ye have heard. And again, he's referring back to the law, or at least how the people understood the law. And then he says, but I say unto you. And he's saying, this is how we're interpreting the law. And you can go through Matthew 5 and see all of the different, the different parts of the law that Jesus quotes. Ye have heard, ye have heard, but I say unto you, but I say unto you. Yeah, yeah. It really breaks down the organization yeah, nicely. Yeah. Another one I just did recently was in Zechariah, looking at the prophecies of Zechariah. He has these different visions, and you realize they're all introduced with the phrase, I saw or I lifted up my eyes. And so I went through and highlighted all of those, and it helps you to break down and see all these different visions that he's, he's having and, and to realize that they are, they are visions and what he's talking about. Okay. Good. So what's the third one? Let's go on now to your third strategy for Bible marking. Yeah, th this one's a little different, actually, it, different than the first two we talked about. We're calling this one topical notes, so notes on a particular topic or notes on a theme. And I, I don't know if if you're like me, Tim, I would imagine there's some other people like me out there that you might study something, but you're soon to forget it, you know? Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, boy, that happens all the time. Yeah. So, and it's not that it's completely gone from your memory, it just... It's somewhere there. You just have to find it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about me. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> uh, and one of the ways that you can stir up that memory that, I don't know, is somewhere in your mind is to read something which stirs that memory up. Right. So that can happen a lot with Bible marking. We'll read the same passage maybe a year later. We forgot something that we studied there. Unless maybe we've marked it in and it right. stirs up our thoughts. Ah, like, oh, yes, I remember that. This is where the wide margin comes in handy. Exactly. Now, not only wide margins, some Bibles come with lined paper at the back. Does, does your right. Bible? Yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. So I have something in the back of my Bible where I have all of my topical notes. It's the lined paper. And there's different themes in Scripture. You might be trying to read the Bible in the course of a year or something yeah, like that. daily Bible readings, yeah. And you'll come up across one of these themes that you're excited about, and you can jot that verse in the back of your Bible. Mm -hmm. Maybe it won't be for another month that you'll come across that theme again, but when you do, you can mark it in the back of your Bible. And you can slowly collect an inventory of verses or themes or topics over time by just slowly writing them in the back of your Bible or some other free space in your Bibles. Yeah, good idea. It's helpful because after, say, a couple of years of reading your Bible, and you might want to know everything about angels. Right. Well, if you've been collecting verses on angels, you can go to the back of your Bible and have 20 verses that are helpful just right there. You know what? I've done something where I do like a cross-reference chain throughout the Bible, like you get all of them together. Right. But then I'll highlight like a verse, like a key verse, like we start off with. You yeah. Know? And then I'll pick a color for that subject. So angels say, I don't know, pick red or something like that. And I'll just highlight maybe a line down the down the edge of that verse. 
And then I'll put that verse and then the next verse in the chain reference. You go there and you just highlight that verse and then you reference another one. You go there and you can chain reference. And you do that with all sorts of different subjects like the kingdom of God and those kind of things. And all of a sudden you've got, again, highlighting for you what are very key passages about understanding essential Bible studies. I've, I've found that very helpful. I've used that throughout my life in various times. Yeah, and I think it's helpful to know that you can't just do a word study sometimes and, and search oh, for right. the word angel. Right. Because we can read some contexts where angels are clearly there, but the word angel isn't there. Right. Or you know, we might be looking to figure out what is God's purpose with the earth? That might be one topic or theme we could look at. Great topic. And you can't just search for the word earth because you'll miss a whole lot of passages. Mm -hmm. So it's just by careful Bible reading and slowly collecting those verses over time. Another thing is we might be reading other books or we might be listening to, to Bible classes or, or talks on the Bible and hear something that is one of these themes we're particularly interested in. Right. And we can quickly jot it down wherever we have those topics in our Bible. Are you a pencil or pen kind of guy? Oh, <laughs> that's a, a much debated question, that right. one. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm both. I lean towards pen uh, because I, I find that it's permanent. Yeah. And just like we might color in our Bible, you can have different color pens to mean different things. So, yeah. for example brown in my bible when i write in brown pen those are all my meanings so i can right. quickly realize oh i've got a meaning right here or uh, red are verses yeah i do that same and, thing uh, a pen i find lasts is a little permanent but yeah. pencil i'll use to to scratch in real quickly if i i want to capture something but i got to be quick yeah that's what i do too something i'm unsure about i want to just do a little bit more study on i'll put in pencil but once I've done a study on it, I feel a little bit more confident yes. about the subject. I'll put it in pen. Yes. That's great. So I think we're we're just about to wrap up here, Tim. Sure. But I, there's this quote. It's from this one particular Bible student, H.P. Mansfield. You've probably heard of him. I too. have. Yes, I've actually seen pictures of his Bible. Yes, and he was a Bible marker. <laughs> That's right. He loved to Bible mark, and I have a quote from H.P. Mm -hmm. And he says a couple interesting things. He talks about seven Bibles that he had, but he said one Bible in particular he loved best of all. And it's because it was a wide margin Bible. It was well marked, he said, with comments and supporting quotations to send him through other parts of the scripture. The text itself was underlined so the key words and phrases stand out from their context. And he says, as a result of all this marking he did, he found it to be more than a book. It proved an intimate, helpful, frank, and fearless friend, for God speaks through its pages, and his words are always valuable and helpful. And you just, you see how much the Bible and marking it up affected and personalized it for this Bible student, H.P. Mansfield, just like the king like we were talking about in the very beginning, had to personalize and write out the copy of the law and keep it with him. Yes, yes. 
Well, that that's a great quote and brings us back to the, the real purpose behind this is that the Word of God might be written upon our hearts and that we might live it. So hopefully we've inspired our listeners to undertake Bible marking. And we're going to attach to the show notes some examples that we've been talking about. If you want to undertake those or if you want to contact us, you can at the EssentialBibleStudies.org website and uh, we can give you some other hints or tricks in, in that sense and to make your Bible marking uh, effective and helpful. So thanks for being with me, Josh. It was a great uh, talk, and I'm really looking forward to getting back to doing some Bible marking myself. Absolutely. I think <laughs> I'm in, inspired to go pick something to, to mark up soon. All right, thanks. Podcasts are great, but it's even better studying the Bible with friends. If you would like to join us for a live Zoom online Bible study, then go to our website at www.essentialbiblestudies.org to see the times and how to connect in. We're also giving away free Essential Bible Study Media Kits. This is a really cool way to share the podcast with others with business cards, stickers, and bookmarks, lots of cool things. All you have to do is send us your mailing address using our website contact form or direct message us on Instagram or Facebook and then wait anxiously at the mailbox for it to arrive. This is a Christadelphian podcast supported by the Book Road Ecclesia in beautiful Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Until next time, my dear friends, may God help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.